Welcome to the City Light Podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online at citylightchurch.com. Today, we're continuing our series called Running with Giants. All throughout the Bible, there are great stories of great men and women who God used to accomplish amazing things on earth. In this series, we are going to look at a few famous stories in the Bible and learn from some giants within our faith. Thank you for spending time with us today, and we hope you enjoy the message from the series, Running with Giants. Today we are in week two of a series that we've been started here last week, and it's called Running with Giants. And I bet you a lot of you in here would agree with me when I say this. That it's, a lot of times when you read the Bible, you realize that when the Bible talks about, uh, it talks about running, it talks about racing, and it talks about a lot of these things, and and what I've realized is that in God's word, it talks about it. He says we have a journey that we're all on. That, that maybe you feel this at times in your life when you're on a journey. You're, you're, you're going through life and going through a, a destination, a purpose. And I love it because God is always talking about in his word that, 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 that we have a, a destination. We have destiny in front of us. That God has plans and purpose for our life. I love the Apostle Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He even talked about it. He goes, I strain forward to win the prize. I want to win this race that I'm in. And, and, and I love how in the book of Jeremiah, the Bible talks about that before you, when you were in your mother's womb, that God put you together. He knew you. He had plans and destiny for you. And one of the things you'll learn about our church, if you come to this place and start getting involved and start hearing messages here, that we believe without a shadow of a doubt that God has a plan and a calling and a gift on your life. He's got a plan, a destiny for you. God wants you to do something great on this earth. You're not here by chance or, or, or just some random thing that God has purpose for you, that there's plans and destiny for your life. And we want to be a church that helps you discover what those plans and purposes are. And so in this series, we're talking about running with giants. We're talking about running with, 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 with purpose and running to the plans that, that, for the plans that God has for us. And in Hebrews chapter 12 is kind of our theme verse. And it says this, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What I found this to be true, and I, I bet you would agree with this, is that in life, you know, life is not like a sprint. It's, it's more of a marathon. In our life, in our journey that we're on, a lot of times it's easy to think in, in terms of sprints. And, but really, life is a marathon. It's a journey. It's going to take a little bit of time. My wife right now, she is in training to, to run the Detroit Marathon coming up in October. And my wife asked me a, the, the weirdest question that I think she's ever asked me in 16 years of being married. She, she asked me the other day, she said, honey, um, do you want to run in the marathon with me? And I said, no. Do I look like I want to die? I'm like, are you serious? Like, give me a break. Like, this body is not made for long distance. It's made for quick sprints. That's it. And, uh, and so my wife, I was thinking about in a marathon, it's way different than 
than running a, a sprint or a 100-meter dash. And you train differently. You think differently. Your preparation's got to be different. Your eating habits got to be different. Your, your regiment, your training regiment's got to be different. Like, your rest has to be different. Everything about running a marathon is completely different than running just like a 100-meter dash. And, and life is, and the, the book of Hebrews is trying to tell us that life is like a marathon, that there's, there, it's a journey that we're on. There's a, there's a process to this whole thing. And, and, and the, the writer of Hebrews says, listen, in this journey, in this marathon that we're all on, he goes, I want you to run your race and, and don't get tripped up on some things and, and don't let some things hinder you. Like throw off those things that are entangling you and, and hindering you. And I love it because he doesn't say, the writer doesn't say, hey, listen, don't sin. He just says, no, throw it off. Throw those things that are trying to trip you up. Throw them off. Like, like, like don't let it bother you. And, and in life, it's so easy because times will come and things will come. and constantly trying to, to trip us up. There's going to be moments of life where things are trying to entangle us. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna experience hurt and pain at times in our life. And the writer of Hebrews says, yeah, but shake it off. Like, like, throw it off. Don't let it hinder you. You're, you may experience bitterness at times of your life, but he says, listen, don't let that trip you up. You're running a marathon. This isn't a, a sprint. This is a long journey thing. Shake it off. Like, like don't let it bother you. Like, there's going to be things that you got to do. You may make a mistake in times in life, but, but throw it off of you. Don't let it trip you up. I mean, I feel like you got to get a little bit of Taylor Swift going on and get shake it off a little bit and keep moving forward. And, and that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to understand today. Days is listen, don't run a race, a marathon, carrying something that, that God had never intended you to carry. That there's going to be times in life where we feel heavy and, and burdened and weighed down because of life situations or mistakes we make or, or, or whatever. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, don't let those things trip you up. You've got destiny out in front of you. You've got a, a plan and purpose that God has for you. Like you got to throw those things off of you and continue to run with perseverance. I think uh, the reason sometimes we can get discouraged in life is because we think in terms of sprints instead of a marathon. We think in life in these seasons where we can go through something that's a bad season and it can totally throw us off. But if you think about it, like if you think five years ago, five years ago, what are some of the things that you were worried about five years ago and are they really still a big deal today? Like, I can't remember things I was thinking about five minutes ago, let alone five years ago. And so uh, chances are the things I was worried about five years ago that were really big in the moment. They were big. You know, they were, I thought they were big. But now five years later, it's like, wow, that really wasn't a big deal as much as I thought it was. Wow, God was faithful. He got me through. Wow, look at where I'm at today. Wow. Why did I let that bother me so much back then? And the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, don't think of life in the aspects of a sprint. Think of it as a marathon. Because listen, if, you, if you're running a sprint, you're running a 100-meter dash, and you fall, uh, the race is over. If you're in the starting blocks and the gun goes off and you trip and you fall, you're going to lose the race. But he says, listen, you're in a marathon. It's different. You've got a lot more track in front of you. You've got a lot more distance to make up. Just because you fell one time, just because life hasn't turned out the way that you wanted it to, doesn't mean you should stay down and, and be down. He says, no, get back up and run with perseverance because God has a plan. He's got a, a race and a, a destiny for you to begin to run. Also, I think what's interesting is he says, I want you to run the race marked out for you, not the race marked out for 
that person next to you, not the race marked out for your neighbor. I think a lot of times what happens in life is we start to run our race, but then we start getting, we start looking at what other people are doing all around us and start thinking that, well, maybe my race isn't as productive or successful as it should be. And look at what they're doing, look at what, what they're accomplishing, look at what they have, and, and maybe I need to be more like them. And what happens is, is, is we start to get off on the journey and the, the destination that God has for us. And what I found to be true in my life is that comparison is the enemy of contentment. That when we start to compare our lives to some other people, we, we, we start to lose the joy. We start to lose the fact of that we've got some great things right in front of us. That we've got some great opportunities, some great moments, some great things that we have. And when we start looking at what everybody else has, we lose the, the, the simple aspect that, no, look what God has given me. Look what, look what, look what I have right now. And, and we, can, we can lose that. The, the comparison is the enemy of contentment, but I think our world breeds this. We live in a world, obviously, of social media, Instagram, where everyone is sharing everything, and hey, look at me, look what I'm doing, look what I got, look at this vacation, look at that house, look at this car, and I think when we get caught looking at those things, it really can steal our joy, and the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us and telling us, he says, listen, run your race, the one marked out for you, not for him, not for her, but run the race that's marked out for you and run it with perseverance. Keep going forward. But then he says, uh, what I love at the beginning, he says, but because we're, we're running this race, he says, you have a cloud of witnesses that are surrounding you, that are, that are up in heaven cheering you on uh, as you run your leg of this marathon race. And what he's obviously talking about is a chapter earlier from chapter 12 in Hebrews 11. He talks about all these amazing men and women who walked on this earth, who did amazing things for God. And he says, now these people are actually in heaven cheering you on. They've, they've got your name on a sign and they're just cheering you on as you run your marathon, as you run your race. I, I grew up playing sports and I love playing basketball, baseball, all these things. And, and I loved it when my family or friends came came to my game and they made a sign with my name on it. Like, come on, like with my number, it's like, that's for me. Like that, man, it just made me play better. I played harder. I feel like I made more baskets. It was, it was amazing when I knew that there was somebody there cheering for me. And the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us and letting us know, listen, there's some people that have gone on and they're in heaven now and they're cheering you on. They're saying, you can do it. God did it for me. He was faithful in my journey. He'll be faithful in your journey as well. And I love this because I think a lot of times when we read the Bible, when we read scriptures, it's easy to read these people's stories and think this is just made up or this is a fairy tale or this really didn't happen. But these stories actually did happen. They were actual people who walked on the earth who God did amazing things through them and they wrote their story down so that we could read them now in 2019 and use their life as a catapult of faith into whatever God has for us in our marathon, in our race, in whatever he's doing for us. These are amazing men and women. And so this series, what we wanted to do is we wanted to take some amazing people that we hear about maybe in scripture, or maybe you've never heard about some of these people, and kind of 
look at their life and look at some things that they did and look at some things that they went through and how we could take the things that they went through and how God was faithful for them and how we could apply it to our life here in 2019 and say, okay, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. And if God was faithful for them, he'll be faithful for me because listen, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God and I love that, that he's faithful for these people, he'll be faithful for us. And so what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be looking at a few characters. Last week we, we talked about Thomas and, and some of the things that he doubted. And today we're gonna be talking about another giant in the faith who maybe some of you have heard of, maybe some of you haven't, but you're gonna get familiar with him today. And it's a man by the name of Isaiah. And no, he didn't play for the Detroit Pistons. This is a different Isaiah. And I just dated myself because there's some kids in there going, who's Isaiah? I don't even know who Isaiah is. And so Isaiah was, a, was a, one of the most amazing prophets to have ever lived and to have ever walked on the earth. Uh, he, he lived and prophesied about 800 years before Jesus ever walked on the earth. But uh, Isaiah, he has a book named after himself. I mean, that's pretty cool in itself. I, not many of us can say that we have a whole book of the Bible named after us. But he wrote down about 66 chapters in his book that he wrote about uh, of dreams and visions that he saw that God gave for him, gave to him. One of the most unique things about Isaiah was that was that he had a unique and vivid. Uh, dream and vision of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Like he saw Jesus being crucified about, about 600 years before the event actually took place. And this is what he wrote down about this, this crucifixion of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 53. He said this, he goes, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. I love that, that Isaiah had this vivid encounter, this vivid scene of, of Jesus way before Jesus ever walked on the earth. He saw Jesus. He saw the crucifixion. It was Isaiah that, that prophesied that, that, that Jesus would be beat you know, beyond recognition leading up to the cross. It was Isaiah who, who talked about the fact that, that Jesus would die in our place as a ransom for us. It was Isaiah that talked about that Jesus would be buried in a rich man's tomb after he died. And it was Isaiah that talked about that he would be crucified with criminals. As Isaiah talks about all these things, he, he says, listen, I, I saw all this stuff. I, I saw amazing things that God showed me and I believe that if Isaiah was here today if Isaiah was was standing on the stage with us this morning I think he would tell us a lot of things but I think one thing that I could see in his life that that we can take away from today and I believe Isaiah would tell us that listen one encounter with God changes everything that, that just one encounter with God can change everything if you're taking notes that's kind of our big theme for today that one encounter with God can, can change everything. I know that in times of our life that sometimes life doesn't go as planned. Maybe sometimes things don't, don't happen the way that we wanted it to work out. And sometimes we don't know what to do. And sometimes maybe we even feel like giving up on something that maybe God put inside of us. Maybe there's a dream, there's a destiny, there's something that, that God has kind of given us to do. But yet because of life and life circumstances, it's easy to say, you know what, I don't know if I 
can do this. This happened to me back when I was, after I finished my freshman year in Bible college. I, I felt like I had a call of God on my life to be a pastor. Wanted to go do change the world. Wanted to reach people for Christ. Wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And I went to Bible college. And my first year in Bible college, I realized, man, I don't think I got what it takes. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced a, a moment in your life when you started down a journey and then you started to realize, man, I am way in over my head. Like, I don't think, I'm not smart enough to do this. I don't feel like I got enough wisdom. I don't feel like I have enough experience. Like, the list could go on and on. And, and I'm sitting there, and I, I finished my freshman year of college, and I was like, man, I can't do this. Like, I don't have what it takes. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not what these other guys are. I can't do this. I don't speak as well as them. I don't know enough about the Bible and I came home that summer, and I completely felt defeated. I felt like, yeah, I know God has spoken to me on this dream of my heart to do, but I just don't think I have what it takes. I just don't think I can do it. I don't think I can finish this race that he wants me to run. Maybe I can do something else. God loves me. He'll take care of me, and that is all true. But I said, I just don't feel like I can do it. And I remember the day I decided I'm going to give up. I'm quitting this, this dream of becoming a pastor. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. Like, I hadn't told anybody. I didn't want to tell a single soul about it. I was embarrassed. But I made up in my mind I wasn't going back to college for my sophomore year. I was going to figure out something else to do. And I was just going to go on a different journey. And, and, and I just, things would have to be all right. And I remember that next Sunday I walked into my church. And I, I walked in, you know, sat down in a chair like you're sitting that, uh, that day. And... And the pastor, uh, you know, he starts talking about overcoming uh, adversity in your life. And he starts talking about, like, persevering even though difficult things may come. And, and I'm like, okay, thanks, pastor. Thanks for reading my mail today. Like, Jesus, I see what you're doing here. You know, like, out of all the messages that I could hear today, it's this message about persevering in the face of, of opposition. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And, and, and I, I remember sitting there just listening to my pastor talk. And it's like everything he said, I felt like I, he was talking just to me. I don't know if you've ever experienced that as well. Maybe it's been through me or maybe another pastor or somebody in your life where it's like they're on stage talking and you feel like it's just you and them in a room. Like they're, they're, they're telling you everything that you need to hear in that moment to encourage you, to equip you, to, to strengthen you in that, the moment of weakness. And I'm like, oh my goodness, okay, Jesus, I get it. Okay, I get it, Jesus. All right, I, you, I, I see it. I surrender. All right, I, I get it. Okay, but I still got my doubts, Lord. I still got my doubts. I just don't know if I have what it takes. I know you're with me, and, but I just don't know if I can do this. And I remember my pastor at the end of the service, he said, listen, if you're here today and you're thinking about giving up on something, maybe there's a dream that God's placed in your heart and in your life and you're thinking about giving up on it and you want prayer this morning, our prayer team will be at the front, kind of like our church does, and as you come on forward, and, and we'd love to pray with you. And I decided that Sunday I was going to go forward for, for some prayer. And usually I was the guy that kind of said, I'm good. I don't need no prayer. And, and I'm like, I'm going to be a pastor. But I'm like, I'm getting prayer today. Like, come on, get out of my way. And I went down to the front, and, you know, I was waiting for one of the prayer team members to pray with me. And the band was up there playing, and I'm just kind of singing, you know, just kind of worshiping, just waiting for my turn. And I remember this gentleman came up behind me, and he he put his hands on my shoulders and he just kind of grabbed me with these like massive man hands. I mean, like, like it was just crazy. Like, I'm like, what in the world is going on right now? Like, I'm up here for a prayer, not a back rub. Like, excuse me right now. 
and, and this, this guy just began to, to, to pray over me. He, said, he, says, he goes, man, I just, I just feel like God wants to say something to you this morning. And I'm like, okay, all right, sweet. And as he began to pray over me, he said, I'll never forget. He said, listen, you're here and you're, you're, you're thinking about quitting on something that God has put inside of you, that, a dream that he's placed inside of you. And, and, and I want you to know today that God wants you to know that just like my hands are on your shoulders, he goes, that God's hands are on you right now. That you're not alone in this journey, that you're gonna succeed, that you're gonna be successful. He is with you, he's not forsaking you, and that you can see this through to the end. And, and in that moment, man, I just, the tears started to fall down my face. I, I, I realized that it was, I was having an encounter with God. Where, where, where I hadn't told anybody about what I was struggling with. I didn't tell anybody that I was thinking about quitting. But here that God loved me so much and he loves you too that he, he would send me to a church and to a pastor and to a gentleman to, to pray over me, to, to, to tell me and, and encourage me everything that I needed to hear that day, to not give up and to, I could realize that, that God was with me. I wasn't in this alone that he was strengthening me in a season where I felt like quitting. He was strengthening me in a season when I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know what to do. And life can be like that a lot, where we don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. We don't know what to do. God, what direction do I go? What, what should I do in this moment? And I love Isaiah even says this in chapter 30. He says, listen, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I love that about God because he loves you so much that he wants to draw us close to him and where we can have our own individual encounter with God that there may be times in our life where we don't know what to do. You don't know where to, where to go. You don't know what to say. And God says, listen, when you come close to me and you have an encounter with me, he goes, you, you're going to hear a voice behind you directing your life. I, I love it that the Bible even is, says that his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, that, that when we may not know where to go, that God's word will illuminate the path for us and that, that he will speak to us and direct us at any moment of our life. That is the great thing about our God, that, that in one encounter with God, it can change the trajectory of your life. That if you're here today and maybe you, you need that encounter with God, I want to encourage you that God is here for you. This isn't something that just happens to pastors or people that are on stage with a microphone. No, they happen to every person, every individual, because you are all, we are all child of God, kids of God. He loves us, and he wants, to, he wants to speak to you. He wants you to have your own encounter with God. So if you're here today, and maybe you feel, you feel just so far from him, maybe you feel spiritually dry, maybe you feel like you're in a season where you think thinking about giving up and quitting, God would want you to know today that, man, he's with you and that one encounter with him can change everything. I was watching TV the other day, and I'm not really a, a NASCAR fan. I don't know if you are people are not. We're not really in the South, so I don't know if you're NASCAR people. But, uh, but I was watching NASCAR for like five seconds. I got dizzy because they just kept going in circles. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like, get me out of here. I can't, I can't watch this. But as I was watching it, I was, I was watching the, 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 the TV program, and it was interesting how the drivers were out there driving, uh, and yet all of them were, were, were talking to their crew chiefs and their, their people, their whole team of people that were like speaking into their ear. They could communicate the entire time. And 
I loved it because it was, it was so interesting because it's like, you know, the crew chief is giving direction while the driver is driving. Hey, there's, a, there's an accident on turn four. You're going to have to go high to get around this one. Hey, your tires look like they're getting a little thin. You need to come in right now and get a new set of tires. Hey, you got enough gas to push it to the end of this race. Keep pushing it. Keep going. Don't give up right now. And I love that because, because in our life, listen, the Holy Spirit is like that for us. The Holy Spirit is in your ear wanting to speak to you, wanting to tell you, wanting to direct you, wanting to help you. At every moment, he wants to say, listen, there's a crash coming around at turn four. Don't go that way. Don't try to relive that relationship. That one's gone. Here, don't go that, don't, don't go to take that job, take this job. That God will direct you at certain times of your life. Hey, your tires are getting a little thin. Maybe it's time for you to rest. Maybe it's time for you to pull back a little bit. Maybe it's time for you to just to take a moment and a season of just, of just peace and serenity with God. Or maybe it's a time of season where God's saying, listen, I've got, you've got enough gas in you. You can push it to the floor right now. Uh, you're going to make it through the end. You're not going to get destroyed. I'm going to be with you all the way to the end. And, and the Holy Spirit will speak to every single one of us like that. He wants to be your crew chief. He wants to help you in this marathon, in this race that we're running. And it's those encounters with God that help us make it through to the destiny and the calling that God has for us. I don't know who you are today or what you're going through what you're thinking. And, but I would encourage you that, that one encounter with him can change everything. Isaiah had an encounter with God that shaped and changed his life dramatically. And today I want to take a few things that I see in his story and in his life that hopefully we can apply to our life and know that, listen, if I need an encounter with God, I can, it's, it's fully available for me today. If you're taking notes today, I'd love for you to write a few of these things down. Number one, how do you have an encounter with God? Like, what does this all look like? Well, number one, I want to start here. Our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. That if you're, if you're looking for an encounter with God today, I want you to realize that our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. I love what Isaiah, he begins to write this story about a time when he encountered God. In chapter six of his book, verse one, he says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, that's angels, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces, and with two wings, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah saying, oh my goodness. He goes, I saw the Lord. He said, I had an encounter with God. He goes, I can't believe it. He goes, there's angels flying around. They were singing, holy, holy, and there's smoke. And he, he, the thresholds of the temple were shaking because God's glory was so great. It was so amazing. And he says, listen, I, I saw God. He had an encounter with God. But I think what happens is a lot of times when we read a scripture like this, we miss some of the context because we think maybe it's not important. But the very first thing that that Isaiah writes down and he says, he says, listen, he goes, in the year that the King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. King Uzziah was a king of Israel during this time, but, but what we don't maybe know is that King Uzziah and Isaiah were actually very close friends. 
that the theologians believe through lineage that you can see in scripture that King Uzziah and Isaiah were cousins. And they were very close. And King Uzziah became king of Israel when he was about 16 years of age. And when he was young, he sought after the Lord with everything inside of him. Like, like he was so passionate about God. But like a lot of kings did in those days, as they got older, he, he started to read his own press clippings and started to believe the hype about himself and said, you know what? Maybe I, I don't need God as much. I'm the king. I can make some decisions. I, I can make, I got wisdom on my own. I can do some things. And as you Uzziah got older, he actually stopped relying on God and just said, I'm going to do it my own way. And then one day when he was up against, uh, needed an answer from God, he needed some direction from God. He's like, I, I need to hear from God and the prophet Isaiah is not around, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And the story says that he actually went into the temple of God, walked right into where the Holy of Holies was, where the, the presence of God was. He touched the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God was, was living at that time. And he says as soon as he touched that, because he wanted to take matters into his own hands, that he was, he was struck with leprosy in that moment and he and he died a few years later, a few time, a little time later after that. And it's interesting to me that Isaiah says, in a season where I experienced some loss, where this is a good friend of mine, my cousin, this person that I loved, was close to me. When, it, when they passed away, he says, that's when I saw the Lord more clearer than I've ever seen him before. There's something about seasons of loss and seasons of, of, of struggle and seasons we're going through a time of feel like it's not where we want to be, but there's seasons that just seem like, you know, I don't want it to be like this. That in these seasons of life is when you can have some of the most incredible encounters with God ever because when we're walking through a season of loss, you know what, we're not really distracted by, by what other people have around us. We're not really looking at what the car our neighbor's driving in that moment. We're not really focused in on the house they have or vacation they're on right now. We're actually kind of really look, thinking about what are the things that really matter most. And we realize, okay, what, are, what really matters most to me in this season? And, and we start to look at our seasons and go, wow, okay, those things that were distracting me, really, they're not distracting me anymore. And I can focus in and realize that I'm walking through a tough season right now. And I don't really care about these, these other people. I'm, I'm trying to content, get close to God in this moment. And, and, and it's in those moments that we feel like we're losing something can be some of the greatest moments that you encounter the presence of God. Isaiah says, listen, in a season of loss, I encountered God. I saw him more clearly than ever. I think what happens a lot of times is that when we're in a season of loss or a season where things maybe aren't turning out the way that we wanted them to turn out, it's, it's where we're more open to see that, that God has been there with us the entire time. God has been right there by our side this entire time of the struggle, the entire time of the season of loss. And, and it's in those moments that we realize that I'm never, I never was alone. I never was forsaken. That I realize that he's right here with me right now. I think a lot of times, too, though, what happens is some people, when they're walking through a season of, of tough times, they can say, you know what, man, I don't, I'm walking away from God right now. I'm a little upset at him. Things aren't working the way that I want. And so I'm going to actually go a different direction. I'm going to do my own thing. And, and it's in that season that I think God would say to you today that, listen, if you're in a season where you feel like you're losing some things, that God would say, don't run away from me. Actually come closer to me. 
Like get even closer to me because I want to show you how good I am. I want to carry you in a season where you feel like you can't walk another step. Because I want to be there in the moments where you feel like I can't go on. And that's, that, those are the moments where sometimes you look back on your life and you say, God, wow, that was an encounter with you. I don't know how I made it through that season. I don't know how I got through that time. But God, I realize now that you are with me every step of the way. And when you realize that, it can actually not be a season of pain, but it can actually be a season of gain. Where you realize, man, I, I wasn't alone. God was here this entire time. And that can be an amazing encounter. But number two, if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down too. And that is, when we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. Let me unpack that. When we see God clearly, we, we see ourselves clearly. I think what happens a lot of times in Christian circles and in churches is, is we, we do struggle with this comparison thing. And not necessarily what I mean about talking about social media and, and Instagrams and comparison materialistically wise. I don't know if that's a word, but whatever. Uh, but I think sometimes what we can, we can do is we can compare our morality to those around us. We can look at other people and say, oh, you know what, I, I got my issues, I got my stuff, but I'm not as bad as this dude over here. Like, look at this guy. Like, like, look at what he's doing or look at what they're going through and look at what the choices they've made. Like, I've got some stuff. I'm not perfect, but man, I'm not like this guy over here. I'm not like that at all. And, and this happens a lot of times, not even in Christian circles. Like, when I talk to people about coming to church, I'll, I'll, I'll meet somebody, I'll invite them to come to church. And, and a lot of times people will say to me, well, pastor, you know what? I'm a good person. I don't know if I really need God. I just don't see how God fits into my life. Like, I'm not like this person over there. I'm not doing this bad thing over there. Like, I'm a pretty good person. I think God is, is accepting of me, loves me. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know if I need to really change anything because I'm a good person. And I love what Isaiah, this prophet, when he sees God and encounters him, it, it opens his eyes. In the next verse, in verse 5, he says this. After he sees God, he encounters God. He says, woe to me, I cried. He says, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah saying, oh my goodness. He goes, I thought I was a big deal, but now that I've seen the Lord, I realize I'm nothing. He goes, I, I thought I was a good person, but now that I've seen God in all of his glory and all of his holiness, he, I realize that I'm somebody with unclean lips. And I live among people with unclean lips. He goes, I'm nothing compared to God. Who am I to challenge God? Who am I to debate God? Who am I to question the things that he has for my life? Who, who am I? And he's like, woe to me. He goes, I can't believe it. And I think when you have an encounter with God, it, it begins to show you who you truly are. And it's not in a way that should bring you guilt or shame, but it should be in a way that we say, oh my goodness, like look how much I need him. Like I, I thought I was a pretty big deal. I thought I had some wisdom. I thought I could do some things in my life. But when I have an encounter with God and I see what's available to his vast amount of wisdom and knowledge, I realize, man, I'm nothing without him. I'm nothing without God. Like I can't read my own press clippings. I can't get the hype in my own mind about myself. I gotta realize that I need God. I need him in every aspect of my life. And I think a lot of times what happens too is 
that we, that we, we come to know God. We want to have an encounter with God. We say, I'm a good person. But we're still reluctant to let God into every area of our life. There's moments, I think, that at times, and I struggled with this at times in my life where I say, man, I believe in God. I love God. I'm going to church. I'm a good person. But there's still some areas in my life I just don't know if I'm ready to let God put his finger on that one yet. Like, like, I, like this one's just for me. Like, I don't know. Like, I got some anger here about this. I got some resentment about that. I got some unforgiveness here. I got some other issues there. Like, like, like I'm going to hold on to those because I'm not ready to let God in on every single area of my life just quite yet. But when you begin to have an encounter with God and you let God come in and begin to actually, he shows you who you truly are. And he exposes areas of our life that aren't to shame us or to bring guilt, but to say, hey, look, at, here's an area in your life that I want to I I be invited in. And I want to help fix that area because I, I see that it's hurting you. I see that it's broken. I see that there's an area that, that, that can be mended right now. And if you let me in to your life, he goes, I, I will come in and I will fix every broken area. Mend every broken fence. I will come in and help those areas that you thought were unfixable. Those areas that you thought were hopeless. Because I will come in and help every area of your life. And, and only until you begin to see God for who he is and begin to see yourself for who you truly are, that you begin to realize that I need God to come into this area of my life. I need God to come in and show himself to me in this situation. I need God here. Because listen, until you see yourself as a sinner and you see yourself as making mistakes, you'll never see yourself as need for a savior. So when you see yourself, wow, God, this is who I am. This is, this is God, this is the things that I've struggled with. These are the things that I've walked through. You allow God to come in and that's when you can truly experience the healing and wholeness that I think so many of us desire and want in our life. It's those moments when we say, God, here I am. Come in. Here, here's this area. It may be uncomfortable. It may, I may not really want to talk about this issue, but God, I know that you're, you're coming in to bring healing. I know you're coming in to bring restoration. And so listen, when I come into this church every Sunday and, and I worship God and I give God everything, I don't, I don't do it because I'm the pastor of this church. I don't do it because I'm here to set a great example for anybody else. I come here because, man, I, I look at myself and say, woe is me. God, I need you. God, I, God, you are so great. You are greater than I could ever imagine. I need you in my life. I, I need you to take me to places I've never gone before because in my own strengths and my own abilities, I can't overcome. I can't overdo these things. But God, with you, all things are possible to them who believe. And God, I need you. And when you walk into this place, my hope and my prayer is that, that you would encounter God. That he would show you some things about your life so you could say, God, I invite you in because I need you. I can't do this all on my own. But number three, if you're taking notes, this last one I think is, is the most important. That I think God removes our past so he can redeem our future. If you want to have an encounter with God, you got to come to a place where you allow God to remove our past so he can redeem our future. What's interesting to me is on the spiritual journey that all of us are on, we come to know Christ at some point in our life. And all of our journeys look different, but they all kind of look the same as well because we come to know God and maybe we're far from God. Maybe you, you grew up in church, maybe you didn't grow up in church, but you come to know God and you, you say, well, my goodness, there's a God in heaven who loves me. 
And then you realize that you've got a past. You realize that you've made some mistakes. You realize that there may be some things in your life that you're just not proud of. And then we come to a place where it's easy to stop right there and say, okay, I know that God loves me. I know that he's got maybe plans for my life, but I don't think I can overcome my past. Like my past is kind of, is hindering me. Like, can God ever truly use me? Can God ever truly use my life to make a difference here? Like, like I'm nobody. I, I'm nothing. Like, so like God, I, you pick somebody else to, to do something great. Like, God, I, I'm just happy to be here today. And, and God said, no, 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 I've got, I've got bigger plans for your life. And I love what Isaiah, he later writes in, in verse 6, he says, Then one of the seraphim, the angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, he said, and with it, he touched my mouth and said, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for, meaning your sin is paid for. I believe with all of my heart that maybe one of the greatest encounters with God that you could ever experience is realizing that your sin has been paid for. That when Jesus came on this earth and died on the cross, that he paid for the sins of the world. But it is up to you and up to me to receive the free gift of salvation that God has for us. And when you receive that gift and you understand that my sin is paid for, all the stuff I did, man, God went to the cross and said, listen, I'm putting it on me. You don't have to carry it anymore. Stop running this race with all of the things that are trying to hinder you and weigh you down. When you realize that you don't have to pay for your sins, that somebody already paid the bill, man, that in itself is an encounter with God. When you realize, man, God is so good. God is so great. He sent his one and only son for me. Man, that is an encounter with God, and I hope that you would encounter that in your life. But then in verse 8, he says this. He goes, then, because I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And I love that, that Isaiah is in a moment of loss in his life, and he's encountering God, and He's seeing, he's like, I'm nobody. I, I, who am I, God? You're so holy. You're so perfect. You're so amazing. Who am I? And, and now he's hearing the voice of the Lord saying, but who's going to go out there and make a difference? Who's going to go for us? Who's going who's to do something great? And Isaiah just is the one that says, okay, God, here I am. Uh, I'm raising my hand. God, uh, send me. I'll, I'll go do it, God. I'll, what do you want me to do? If you're with me, then I can overcome anything. I can, I can go up against any obstacle, God. Uh, uh, here I am. Send me, Lord. I'll, I'll go. And what I, I love is that, 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 that this angel takes this coal, and it's, it's this understanding of purity where he, he touches the, Isaiah's lips, and he makes him pure. And he says, listen, I think it's so important that your lips are pure because you're going to go speak my word. And I think a lot of times it's interesting that what we say can actually lead us to the destination that we arrive to. That our words are so important that the life and death is in the power of the tongue. Scripture talks about that. And it's so interesting to me that, that here in this moment he touches his lips. And I want to encourage you today that, that we got to stop saying what we feel about ourselves. And we got to start saying what God says about ourselves. And start living the destiny and plans that God has for us. And not what we just think and what we feel about who we are and what our past says about us. But start living the life that 
God has encountered us to, or it has for us to encounter out there in our future and in our destiny. And I love it because Isaiah is just standing there and he says, okay, God, here I am, send me. And, and you may say, man, I don't, I don't know if I can ever do anything for God. Like, like, I don't have any good abilities. I don't have any good talents. I, I, like, I, I don't know anything about the Bible, really. Maybe I, I struggle at times to pray. And I don't know anything that, that God could ever do through me. So does he really have a plan for me? Like, pastor, are you serious? Don't you just have to say that to everybody? Like, really? But I love it because what I found in my life is that one of the greatest encounters that I could ever have was understanding that it's not about my ability, but it's only if I can become av av being available. So it's not about my ability, but being available to say, God, what, what do you wanna do? My best ability is my availability. That's what I wanted to say. That's the best thing that we can be. And if you wanna have an encounter with God in your life, you have to be a person that says, God, here I am, send me. God, I know it looks crazy. God, here, here's the future, here's the destiny. God, if you're with me, I'll go. And as you go and you step out in faith and say, God, I feel like you put a dream in my heart. God, I feel like you're leading me to do something. I'll do it. I'll be the one to show up. I'll be the one to help on that team. I'll be the one to help teach some kids in the back. I'll be the one to help greet somebody. I'll be the one to help be a part of a program going on at the church. I'll be somebody that shows up and says, God, here I am, send me. When you begin to make yourself available, it's in those moments that you can have such an amazing encounters with God that shape your life and your trajectory of your life forever. Your best ability is availability. And I just wanna encourage you this morning, that no matter who you are, stop letting your past define you. Stop letting the mistakes of your yesterday cripple your future, but begin to say, okay, God, here I am, send me. I'm ready, I'm available, I'm ready for whatever you have in my future, God. And Lord, I will need an encounter with you today. I need an encounter because I know and I realize that one encounter with God can change everything. So I don't know who you are today or maybe what you're walking through. Maybe you feel like you're in a season of loss. Maybe you feel like, you know what, yeah, wow, I just, I'm not ready to let God into every area yet. Or maybe you're just like, man, my past is just, it's too much to overcome. Listen, one encounter with God changes everything. One encounter, one moment with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords can change everything about your life. And I believe with all my heart that God is here and ready to have an encounter with you this morning. Maybe he's already been speaking to you. Maybe you've already felt the tugging on your heart today. Maybe there's already places where you're realizing, God, I need to let you in. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants you to have an encounter with him and it'll change your life. But you, we, have to be open and ready for it. My prayer is that we would be ready as a church to be ready for whatever God has for us because he has a plan and a destiny for your life if you're ready to receive it. Let's stand today as we close this message.